Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from the Word of God. We bring you greetings, my wife and I, from Washington, D.C., World Center for Politics. Poly meaning many, ticks meaning bloodsuckers. But no, there are a lot of very good people there, too. They may not be in the majority, but we don't ever need the majority, do we? We just need that very small remnant. It wasn't Gideon's 300,000, it was Gideon's 300. Because God gets the glory that way, amen? And so thank you so much. I love your pastor. I think about and pray for your pastor each and every day. From the last time that I stood at this pulpit to this moment, I've prayed for your pastor daily, for this church, for his family, for your church family. My wife knows I get through my prayer list every day. I know the power of prayer. I have seen it. I have seen it evidence in so many different ways. And so I'm thankful that God allows us the power and the purpose of prayer. And it's wonderful to come back to a church and see what's going on because you've invested some time in prayer about it. And uh, I've always enjoyed your pastor's spirit and actually your pastor his wife in this church, early days of this ministry, where most people didn't understand what God had called me to do, were very gracious to me, very encouraging to me. In fact, the night before that Sunday, many, many years ago, well over, oh, I would say about 15 years ago when I first came here, I said, Lord, I need some affirmation of this call upon my life to a God and country type of ministry. And uh, the next morning, God affirmed it through and by your pastor in this church. And so I'll always remember that. And a lot of times people say, Brother Harney, how, how can you be called to the government? How does that work? And that's a fair question. Uh, and uh, so I want to show you from the Bible because as Baptists, we're supposed to be biblicists. Amen? And so look at Acts 9, if you would, please. Acts 9. And I want to show you what God has called me to, and the reason why, a lot of people say, Brother Harding, boy, this really seems like, uh, I've even had some younger people say, pretty cool kind of ministry, you know? Uh, Because before, in the administration before, my wife and I were going into the White House on a weekly basis and having a Bible study right there with the vice presidents in his office in the White House. Uh, Every Wednesday, we'd go there. And then we have meetings with senators and congressmen where we've been asked, what is your biblical take on this or that? We grew up in Washington, D.C., right outside of Washington, actually in Maryland by Annapolis. And I started going into committee hearings when I was just a teenager. I had always a very great concern for my country and interest in history and uh, even political science. And and so uh, before we go any further, I'd like to introduce my wife of 45 years, and so honey, if you'd stand up and turn around and say hello to everybody. There she is right there. Thank you, sweetie. 
And she travels with me all over the United States. We travel every single weekend except for Christmas and New Year's. We travel at least once every week. And then, of course, we're on Capitol Hill and doing some things. And it's, of course, closed in some areas during the COVID. But we're still getting in in particular ways. I won't go into that right now. And ministering to these people. And uh, it's, it's amazing because uh, a lot of times when people say, well, Brother Harding, what's the premise of your ministry? And I tell them it's fivefold. Mission to America, and I've studied for years and years and actually started other God and country ministries. This is the next step for us. But it's five things. Number one, getting educated. We need to know who we are. Do you understand we woke up in a miracle this morning called the United States of America? You realize that there's not even 20% of the rest of the world that has what we have here. Very few people even have a concept of how good we have it here. You know why we have it so good? You know why you young people don't have to go hungry for days on end? And, and why if you, if you are hungry, you have to go maybe fill up with some leaves that you can go pick in the forest like many young people do? It's because liberty, the byproduct of liberty is prosperity. Amen. And I appreciate the young people here. I tell you what, and uh, young people over here, hey, you all want to grow up in a free country, don't you? Because freedom equals always prosperity, peace and prosperity. Uh, we had a lot of prosperity when I was growing up. I had, I had eight different Mustangs before I was 18. Eight different Mustangs. That was just Mustangs. I had three Triumphs before I was there. I mean, we used to go to police auctions. First car that my dad ever bought for me was a 1956 Vitesse Triumph. For $60, now those days are gone forever. <laughs> but it was wonderful because we have so much stuff. We have something here, a, a phenomenon called the garage sale, the yard sale, amen? Because we have so much stuff, we have to sell our stuff. And we go and we get things for, you know, a dollar, you know, a dime on a dollar, and we come back home with all this great stuff that we got, and we look and we say, we have too much stuff. And then you have to have a garage sale, and it just continues to perpetuate, Amen? But the reason why you're sitting on those pews and we sit underneath electric lights in a temperature-controlled environment and you drove an automobile here and you live in a nice home is because of liberty. And because the mind of man was liberated here in this country unlike any time in history. That's why inventions here in America equal those of all the other nations combined and even surpass them here in America. We have it so good. And the reason why we have it so good is because this is the only other nation in the history of mankind that started from the premise of God's word, Israel and America, only two. All other nations in history, if they do it all, they come to the truth. They don't start with the truth. Even Great Britain, with their great missionary efforts of yesteryear, they came to the truth. They didn't start with the truth, but we start with the truth. Amen? And I stood in England where the 106 separatists, we call them pilgrims, they were a church, got onto a boat, and you can see it if you come to Washington, D.C. in the Capitol. It's called the embarkation. And everyone's bowing and standing around the Bible, and they're all praying, dear God, if you get us across this Atlantic, we promise you that you will have a nation based upon your word, by your will. And they did make it across, and we did establish something here unlike any other time except for the nation of Israel. And we have a republic, by the way. Some things we're going to be going through. It's not to the democracy for which it stands. It's to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Amen? So we're going to be learning a lot. You say, well, Brother Harding, how does this all come into context 
as far as revival. If we are to be revived, we have to understand something. That number one, first and foremost, the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be paramount in our life. And we need to realize God's given us the United States of America for the preaching of the gospel. And we have a duality of citizenship. That flag right there stands for our heavenly home and our king, King Jesus. You young people, pay attention to me because if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're gonna grow up in bondage. The freedom of America. Guess who the next guardians will be? You all. We have a lovely little house there and we leave it every week. You know why? For you young people. So you can grow up in freedom and liberty. And I, and I enjoy young people. You know the problem with our young people? They're being lied to. So I'm going to tell you the truth today. And the truth is that, number one, we have a heavenly home, and our only king is King Jesus. Our only sovereign is Jehovah. Amen? And when the Declaration of Independence was signed, those 56 men said those very words, no king but King Jesus, no sovereign but Jehovah God. I don't know about you, that kind of gets me going, amen? Because we were subjects to his majesty, King George III, that was a tyrant. And because of that flag, we have this flag over here, the greatest nation in modern history. And we need to understand some things about it that our nation was given to us for the propagation of the gospel. So we need to get educated, amen? The problem is we don't know who we are. Now, we're not better than anyone else. But we had founding fathers that said there is a God and God gives us certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen? Because of that, that makes us very unique in the world. Amen? But we don't know that. We don't know the uniqueness. We don't understand. We don't, because we don't understand, appreciate. Because we don't appreciate, we don't have a commitment to hold on to our liberties. I'm going to be showing you these next several days how to do so so we can keep the freedom of the pulpit. So we can keep the freedom of taking the gospel to others. And this is what we need to understand, is this, that God's people are the only ones that will be the light and the salt. And if we don't know who we are as a duality of citizenship, hey, we're suffering from dementia and the whole rest of our nation is going to follow us down the tubes. I remember a senator, he just got reelected. He was feeling very good about himself. He was going around introducing him, uh, himself to everybody, and uh, he was walking past this nursing home. He said, let's go in and see the folks in the nursing home, because I know a lot of the elderly voted for me as well. Everyone was saying, Mr. Senator, so good to have you back again for a few years. And, and he walked into the nursing home, and there was a patient right there by the nursing station, and again, feeling very affable about himself. He said, do you know who I am? She said, oh, honey, don't worry about that. Ask the nurse. She'll tell you who you are. That's our problem. We don't know who we are. We are Americans, amen? And we need to understand that everything that comes into our life needs to be filtered by God's word. Through and by God's word. You say, Brother Harding, you're going to be talking about politics today? It goes far beyond politics. It goes to spiritual warfare. A lot of times people say, well, are you, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? I'm a Baptist. Amen. By the way, that makes me a Christocrat. That means I vote the Bible. I don't care what they call themselves. We need to be where God is. You know where God is? He's with the life of the unborn. So he wants that life protected. And by the way, it's not a fetus. <laughs> it's a baby. 
And the left-wing ideologues, they say, well, I can do whatever I want to with my body. We follow the science. If you follow the science, DNA proves that's not your body. That's another body that you carry within you. And so those are things that they don't want to look at because they're the truth. Amen. I'm for God because God's also for the traditional family. So that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be with whoever is for the traditional family. And you say, well, Brother Hardy, why? Because the traditional family is what civilization is based upon. And any civilization, mark it down in history. I'm a student of his story, history. Any civilization that turns her back on the traditional family comes to its demise, destruction, and ruin. I don't want that for America. So we need to be looking at the traditional family, upholding the traditional family, because that's where God is. And if we're going to be God's people, we need to follow God's book. Amen? And, and not what the ideologues say or professors say, you know, who profess themselves to be wise, but have become fools because they vary from the truth. Amen? And uh, so I am for life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. I'm for the free market system and not for socialism. And I'll go into that a little bit later because socialism is very dangerous. Socialism has never worked anywhere in the world, anytime in history. And I know I've even debated some liberals. Oh, yeah, it works over in the, in, in the Nordic states. No, it does not. They follow capitalism because the professors don't even know what they're talking about. So look, at, look with me at Acts chapter 9. Are you with me at Acts chapter 9? This is the call that God has uh, put upon my life from my pastor uh, 18 years ago that said, you need to pray about a God and country ministry, which I did. By the way, not a lot of pastors understood what I was doing. Your pastor did. I appreciate that about your pastor. I appreciate the fact that some men had the vision to see what God had to say. And this is God speaking to Ananias concerning Paul. Remember, Paul was the one that was giving his voice, his witness against the people of the way, God's people, putting them in jail and even to death. So Ananias was kind of leery about this guy that was named Saul at this time, about to go through a name change to Paul. And so God gave him some reassurance. And this is what he says. But the Lord said unto him, speaking about Ananias, go thy way, for he, referring to Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name, that's the gospel, before, then he lists three people groups, the Gentiles. I'm happy about that, aren't you? Amen. I'm happy about that, aren't you? Gentiles become in all colors, sizes, and shapes, but we're all Gentiles. I'm glad the gospel came to us. Amen. By the way, we're the wild olive branch. Don't ever get proud of your salvation. We're the adopted ones, okay? And then the second group, look at the second group, in kings. Huh, isn't that something? So Paul, as a missionary, was called to kings, government. How many times did he stand before magistrates? So when I'm in the pulpit, I'm an evangelist. When I'm in Washington, D.C., I'm a missionary. Missionary like any other missionary, because if we don't reach into the capital with the gospel, very soon we're gonna be hindered in this pulpit will be fettered to reach out to our nation and the world with the gospel. And we need to hold on to our civil liberty that gives us the permission to accomplish the Great Commission, which is the spiritual liberty in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last group is the children of Israel. And uh, I love the people of Israel. Been over there five times, one time with your pastor. We had a good time running all over the place, didn't we? Man, it was a lot of fun. We, had, we just really enjoyed one of those fellowship even back then. And so I, I want to ask you, if you would please now, uh, go over with me to 2 Timothy and uh, to get educated, to get engaged with our leadership, our governance of our nation is a responsibility that every Christian has. We need to be the ones 
God's people to hold them accountable by praying with them and for them and not negative but positive, you might say, accountability, understanding that we're watching them. We need to get educated, get engaged. We need to entreat God's mercy because right now our nation is at 60 million people, babies that we've murdered under the guise of abortion. We need to understand that we need to encourage others to do the same. But we do those four things, educate, engage, entreat God's mercy, and encourage others to do the same so we can continue to evangelize the lost. And that's what we're talking about today, revival. And we need to be revived as well, amen, personally, as a church collectively, and I know this is a soul-winning church, and then from there see revival spread to our cities and our states and our nations. And uh, so we need to understand that. Let me just tell you very, very quickly, maybe I can, could I leave going through these materials to the end? Is that okay? And we'll, we'll do that real quickly and I'll go through the materials at the end because I have some great materials for you to take advantage of. But right now I'd like to get into the message. Second Timothy, are you there in chapter three? It says this, Paul speaking to Timothy about really where we are right now. You know what he says? This know also. So something that we need to know. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Don't you think that's where we are? We're in some perilous times, don't you think so? Yes, definitely. For men, a list in verses two through four, a catalog of corruption. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised of those that are good, calling evil good and good evil, by the way. Traitors. We see a lot of traitors, don't we, in our country today? And some of them even sitting in offices of leadership. Okay, I won't tarry there. Heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then in verse 5, it starts to list the pretenders, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. But I want to draw your attention to our two text verses this morning and that is this, after he goes through the catalog of corruption and, and the, the pretenders, he says in verse 10, but, this turns us in 180 degrees, but thou hast fully known seven things here, he lists, my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, seven things. And then he talks about the persecutions, the afflictions which came unto me, as he says, at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, isn't that wonderful? Not some, not most, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And it says in verse 12, and yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But I want you to see this because things aren't gonna get better, they're gonna get worse. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But here it is again. What we do in perilous times? Continue. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So what are we doing in perilous times? We continue. Continue in what? Seven things. I'm gonna be talking about those seven things today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for loving us. Thank you for these dear people. Now, Lord, we pray that you'd still our minds and our hearts, and as we come before you, we ask for that holy unction from on high. Through and by your Holy Ghost, might his presence be readily evident in every mind and heart here today. Help, Lord, us to focus upon you and not upon the troubles and cares, aches and pains of life, 
Create and maintain a hedge of protection around this assembly. Bind off the wicked and the evil one. Help us to focus on these eternal truths. And as I step back, we pray that you would step forward. As I surrender everything that I am to you, articulate my speech, clarify my thoughts. But most of all, through and by your Holy Spirit, indwell me and infuse everything that I say by thy grace and for thy glory and into our hearts. Oh God, we ask that your name might be glorified. For we ask it in the precious name of your Son and our Savior. And by the power and the merit and the authority that is in the name of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, we pray and we thank you and we love you. Amen. So where are we at right now? 40 million jobs lost. We see governors acting like tyrants, keeping states locked down and businesses closed and even attacking the New Testament church while they open up Walmart and some of these other quote-unquote places to go. Home Depot, churches still have to, some of them sit outside or not sing or the nonsense that's going on right now and what we have to understand that the church of Jesus Christ is being attacked and if we want to have revival we God's people must do what individually God has called us to do seven things it says in first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them what the doctrine for in doing this thou shalt be both save thyself and them that hear thee we see national strife and international confusion going on today. Seas of hatred continue to be cultivated, hotbeds of radicalism, ignorance, and would-be anarchists, be it ideological, cultural, or governmental. All of these people taking up positions, we need to be taking up positions as well. And what positions should we take? The position of biblicists, of the Bible of gauging everything that you allow to come into your mind and your heart through God's word. Making sure that the doctrine that God has given to us, what everything rests upon, the standard of our faith, our word of God means more to us now than it's ever meant to us before. We need to look at this book. We need to not just listen to it. And by the way, you've already grown in faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You're growing just listening to God's word, but we need to go beyond listening. We need to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it. May I say, rhetorical, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many memorized verses this year so far? How many verses did you memorize in 2020? You know, the prisoners over in the Hanoi Hilton, you know what they did? They wrote a makeshift Bible, all the verses they remembered from Sunday school. And that was the only thing that got them through those times of torture and imprisonment by the Viet Cong. From the Bible, God's Word. See, when it all comes down to existence and meeting adversity, it's not the television or these books that you read. It's this book that we hold in our hand today. God's Word that means everything to us. As Christians, it's the standard. It's eternal. It's perfect. The standard that was made flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ personified it. He lived for us, died for us, rose again the third day. Our standard 
gave us deliverance from the tyranny of sin. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you're no longer on your way to hell. You're on your way to heaven. Someone may, sitting here today, be on their way to hell. If something happens, you go out here and you get in an accident and you are swept down to eternity, your destination would be hell. I'm glad that if something happened to me today, I'd be on my way to heaven. Amen? Amen. Say, Brother Harney, should we preach about hell? Jesus Christ preached more about hell than he did anything else. You know why? Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We want to keep people out of hell. Amen? That's our, that's our full-on project, you might say, is to keep people out of hell. And so we need to understand this very book right here was the thing that girded our men for battle as they ran in to engage the enemy. It guided our statesmen as they signed the Declaration of Independence that made them, in man's estimation, a traitor to the king. But as many of them said, we hold an allegiance higher than to the king of England. Our king is the king of kings, lord of lords. And that's who we sign on the behalf of. These men, guided by God's word, girded as they ran into battle. Many times they were hungry and sick with hardly enough weaponry to, to actually wage warfare. But they also had ring in their ears the words of their pastors that many times were at the head of their units or men like George Washington, that, come on boys, this battle is just another battle. It'll settle the state of millions of souls to come in this nation that we are fighting for, this nation of liberty, of freedom. They gathered around the standard of liberty, and we need to do that again today. And look, <clears throat> look, the news is where they begin with good evening and then proceed to tell you why it's not. <laughs> Amen? Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to the news. I get people calling, and they're all upset. Pastors calling from all of the United States. I said, you've been listening to the news? Yeah. I said, why don't you turn that off and open up the good news? That's what you need to do. Let me just tell you something. As the news media, and even the conservative news broadcasters sensationalize everything. You know why? Because sensationalism equals ratings. So the news sensationalizes, the left wing politicizes it, the devil, he weaponizes it, but God's people, we must biblicize it. Amen? Look to the Bible. We are the ones that have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Grounded, we're founded upon God's word, that rock that holds us and keeps us. Hey, we need to keep our heart with all diligence. Amen? We keep it in tune with God's word for out of our heart are all the issues of life. The doctrine is what we receive from God, our Bible. And let me ask you, are you making as much use of your Bible as you should? Huh? I mean, do you spend more time in this than you do before the television? Do you spend more time in this than you do on the web, Facebook, or whatever social, I mean, is this predominant in your life? What I'm saying is, it needs to be. We need to reevaluate. If we want revival, if we want to stop playing church, by the way, we need to. We need to get into this book like we've never gotten. We need to confess our sin to God that we're not right 
in the relationship we have with his word. And it's put aside too many times. Other things are predominant. This is where the issues of life come from. This is where real joy comes from. Oh, so many people looking for happiness and joy in life. You find it right here. Oh, I'm going to find joy by following my own way. There's a way that seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That old song, I did it my way. No, you never do it your way. It's either God's way or the devil's way. Young people, young people think, well, I'm going to do it my way. There is no my way. I used to be a teenager. I ran and I thought I was doing it my way and I found out the end thereof are the ways of death. And I'm telling you, only by God's grace, I made it out of my teenage years alive. We need to understand God's word. Make most of it. Get into it and, and bring it into your mind and your heart. Memorize it. You ever seen a cow, what a cow does? Cows are very interesting individuals. I used to watch cows when I was a little boy in Maryland. And cows would be under a shade tree. And this is what they would be doing. You ready? You, you recording this? Extrapolation of the deeper doctrines of God. Cows would be doing this. Are you getting this? Okay. Being covered by two different cameras. They both came on. Okay. Not fake news. Okay. Here we go. And then they would do this. And I'd watch them for a minute. They wouldn't get up. They wouldn't eat anymore. They, they would do this. I said, hey, wait. They just swallowed. Where'd they get that from? That's got to be double, double, bubble, bubble. Right? And then I realized a cow has a primary stomach, secondary stomach, tertiary stomach. It goes on and on. And they do something called rumination. They, they bring that grass that they have already eaten, and they chew it again. They get more nourishment from it. And then they swallow and they, and they just keep on bringing it up and chewing it over and over. See, that would come in handy. <laughs> Especially when you're in school and the teacher's droning on. Amen. It's getting close to lunchtime. You said you were hungry. You know, I thought, man, that'd come in handy. I, I could be in class in elementary school and I, teacher said, what, what, what are you eating? Snickers bar. Where'd you get it from? I ate it last night. I just brought it back up to... Chew on it a little bit. Amen. Say, Brother Harding, are you trying to be gross on purpose? Yes. I am. Because it's a spiritual truth. If we memorize God's word, we can be ruminating on it all day long. Oh, it'll give us wisdom. It'll give us light to our path. It'll give us a joy in our heart, a spring in our step, a song in our mouth, that glint in the eye. So people will say, hey, what's different about you? Amen. My wife and I, we... We have a good time together after 45 years. Uh, she still giggles, you know. I can make her giggle, laugh at my jokes. It's wonderful. We come up, you know, and, and uh, we, we check it out at a grocery store. We're coming in to check out, you know, our lug, luggage, checking our luggage. And, and, and people look at us like, who are you people? And why are you giggling? Why are you so happy? And, and I give them a tract. So let me give you something to read. My wife and I wrote this. 25,000 copies of this tract has gone out. It's about the foundation of our nation, the foundation of our capital, the foundation of our eternal soul, which is Jesus Christ. It's good news from a far country. So I gave it to all the comics, and I want to give it to you. They go, oh, really? Thank you. I'll read it. Amen. But you don't think they would, get, they would take that from me as readily. If I came up to them like this, how are you doing? Let me give you something to read about my Lord and Savior has given me real joy in my life. 
You're out soul winning, knocking on the door. Hi, I go to the Gospel Light Baptist Church. We have a really good time down there. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'd like to read this. And no, they would, you know, what we say, I ask people, how are you doing? You know what, I, I feel like saying, tell your face about it. Amen? I'm talking about Christian people. How are you doing? Fine. And, and I hear some of the guys say, well, I just don't smile naturally. Work on it! <laughs> Stand in front of the mirror and smile. Get it down. This is God's billboard. Amen? Hey, it's a lot more fun to walk around with a smile than a frown. Amen? I think too many times people have gotten over the fact that they're saved. I'm not getting over the fact that I'm saved. No matter what's going on down here, hey, I'm on my way to heaven. Woo! I'm excited about that. The blood still saves, amen, and still gives us joy in life. We have the standard that God's given us, the eternal word of God, forever settled in heaven where there's only two things going to make it out of this world alive. Your eternal soul and that book right there. It's all going to be burned up. All the rest of it's all going to be burned up. Amen. My wife is a good recycler. Amen. We have one trash can for recycle and one for trash. Now, if I'm caught putting something in the trash can, that's recycle. Oh, you should hear my wife. She's still sweet, but she says, uh-uh. That's recycle. That's supposed to, and she'll pick it up. That's in the recycle trash. I'll say, honey, it's all going to burn up. <laughs> Amen. Now, look, I'm not someone that just throws trash out. I'm not that kind of person, okay? But what I am saying is this. We need to be cognizant of the fact. Let's make the most of our eternal soul in connection with God's word. That is the standard. Number two, very quickly, and I'm out of time already. By the way, I'll bring the rest of these tonight. It's what you call a part one and part two message, okay? So if you want to see the rest of the seven things to do in perilous times, come back tonight. This is not God's morning. This is God's day. You want revival? Forget about what's going on on the boob tube and come back to church tonight. You ever seen anyone watch the television? Very intelligent look on their face, isn't it? They'll be looking at you, conversation, and, and then they'll look at the boob tube and they'll... Because <laughs> all the kids does all the thinking for you. But don't forget, hey, don't forget. Look, I'm not going to get you out of here at a late time tonight, but come and listen to the other things. The second thing, very quickly, before I close, is this, the manner of life. What's our manner of life? God gives us the Bible, we give him our manner of life. You know what our manner of life is? It's simply this. It's other people. Other people. It is living for others. Do you remember when it first hit, this pandemic back in March, a year ago? Remember the people coming out of the big box stores, holding on to cases of toilet paper? <laughs> Said, hey, don't squeeze the Charmin. <laughs> it's mine. I mean, cases of toilet paper, you know? It was like they were rich. I have two cases. <laughs> and then they, they pull out all of this, all, all kinds of, you know, there's nothing wrong with being prepared, but we don't want to just survive. We want to live for others. The most miserable people are those people that are just trying to survive. Living for self. I'll tell you a story about Gary Bykirk, the Medal of Honor recipient. 
and the chaplain of the Medal of Honor Society, Green Beret, and what he learned about the pandemic, the difference between surviving and living for others. But I can't do that right now. I know Gary Bykirk, he's a good friend of mine. He is one of the 69 living Medal of Honor recipients in a nation of 320 million people. But he gave an amazing story about living for others. May we live for others today. We talking about Brother Harding, hey, don't walk out of here without a track. Give a tract out between tonight to tomorrow, to this morning and, and, and tonight. Give a tract out. Say, Brother Harding, who give tracts out? People that have tracks. Isn't that profound? It's profound. Okay. So get some tracks, hand some tracks out today. Amen. And then be here tonight because I want to give you the, the rest of the seven things to do in perilous times. Because what are we supposed to do in perilous times? Continue. So as I close, let me just say this. Who are you today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior? If you don't, well, I know Jesus Christ. I knew him for 21 years of my life, and 21 years of my life, I believed he was the Savior, died on the cross. The Bible was the word of God. There was a heaven, there was a hell. But I was on my way to hell. You know what? At 21, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What's the difference? It's about seven inches. Say, we're talking about between your head and your heart. By the way, between heaven and all of its glory and hell, where there is no hope for eternity, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, and the smoke of their torment rises up forever. There's no hope in hell. So if there's anyone here today that's never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, I pray you make today the day. Because that's one of the things, the very first thing we need to do. Perilous times to continue in God's Word. Hi, this is Brent Lementine, and before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is Gospel Light Baptist. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you are listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.